0: Set yourself a New Year goal, they said. It'll be fun.
1: (sighs) Perhaps swimming in the Irish Sea wasn't such a good idea. Set a more achievable goal, like taking control of your finances, with personalised money insights in the Bank of Ireland app. It'll help keep track of your spending, like
0: changes to bills, or you might have too many subscriptions.
2: See your tailored money insights, because your financial well-being is our priority. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Great. There goes my towel. The Left Wing, brought to you by Bank of Ireland, a proud sponsor of Irish
0: Rugby.
2: Never stop competing.
0: This is an Irish independent podcast.
2: Hello and welcome to The Left Wing. I'm Sinead Kassan. So we are down to the final week of the Women's Six Nations. It's been a tournament loaded with reality checks and harsh lessons for Ireland. On Saturday, they were beaten 48-0 by England at Musgrave Park. Uh, Ireland play Scotland and Edinburgh this Saturday evening in the final round of games. They're bottom of the table on zero points. Italy are fifth on four points and Scotland are fourth on five points after their bonus point win over Italy at the weekend. Well, former Ireland player Annan Capeless and Ali Donnelly of scrumqueens.com are here with me. Before we get into the rugby, I want your opinions on the protest at Musgrave Park on Saturday. And the confiscation of flyers by security staff with the image, I give an F on them. Now, this slogan is obviously in response to the Telegraph report a few weeks ago, which alleged that a prominent figure in Irish rugby said, who gives an F about women's rugby during a dinner? So I'm going to start first by saying what I saw at the game at Musgrave Park on Saturday. It was half an hour before the game started. I was in the media section in the main stand and saw a bit of what happened over to the right of me. So a woman was in the main stand handing out these flowers. Security staff tried to take them off her and then she uh, appeared then to throw some flowers into the stand. We went to the RFU afterwards to get a statement off them. They said they were aware of the protest and while they, in quotes, mightn't agree with it, everyone has the right to protest, end of quotes. And they gave a few reasons for the confiscation of these flyers, including anti-littering policy, foul and abusive language, given the demographic, the audience that was there, and the way these flyers were distributed in that they said they were thrown twice. Now, in response to a tweet I put out about it on Saturday. One woman said they brought 10 flowers to the game and they were confiscated at the gate. Um, Anna, to you first, what's your view on this?
1: I think, yeah, in general, I also agree with the IRFU in terms of like peaceful protests being, I think they're important. And I think that's not just for rugby. I think that's generally in life, so... I think as well when people are making noise about the women's game, I I like it, I enjoy it, I appreciate it, and certainly when I was a player, I appreciated people making noise. I'm I'm not speaking for the current squad, like I I, I can't and I won't speak for them, but me personally as a player, that's how I am. I would have you know, uh, kind of just thought fair play, like people making noise for us, you know. So the the, the ironic thing about it is that. You know, they they said that they, the language wasn't appropriate, but it's the language is taken from the quote of this prominent figure in Irish rugby. And initially, and this is kind of, you know, I've said, made this point before that if someone in the RFU had come out and absolutely condoned that remark in the first place, you know, and said, this is unacceptable, we will not accept this language, we will not accept people speaking about any of our teams, not even to mine, just the women's team, but we do not accept this language, we will stamp it out, it won't be, um, you know, it it, it cannot be a part of this game. I would be slightly more empathetic to their response to the protest.
2: I mean, Ali, there is a line at of opinion disagreeing with the use of the F word. Now the image uses rugby posts to signify the U in that word, but there's line an opinion that the term shouldn't be used because of the demographic. There are a lot of young kids um, at this, at these games, but we do know the reason it's used in the first place is because that was the word used by a so-called prominent figure in Irish rugby.
0: Yeah. Like I think I was thinking about this quite a lot yesterday. I spoke to the person who'd organized it as well. And, and, um, You know, heard it yet to say, I think it could have been handled better. You know, I think the rationale there, if you gave it, why it wasn't allowed to happen was fine. I understood that. Um, But given it was clear all week that this was planned, there was no secret about it. It was all over Twitter, etc. I just think it would have been a far better idea for those in charge, whether it's those running the ground or the RFU or whatever, to try and contact those organising it and say, look, this is the position. Of course, you're entitled to protest, perfectly legitimate. But there is a proportionate rationale as to why you can't do it in this way. And who knows how that would have played out, but at least they would have said it in a Look, you know, th- th- there's a, there are kind of reasons and rationale behind yeah, this. Yeah,
2: en- engaging with people. Yeah, yeah. so I,
0: th- I mean, look, I, I've been thinking loads about this the last few weeks because it's very tiring, this kind of constant division, isn't there? isn't it? But I think it's becoming really increasingly clear to me that one of the central problems in this whole kind of picture is one of communication and what I consider to be bad communication and perhaps unsuitable communications for a fledgling sport so I think, you know, the, the Anna's point's a really good one. When the um comment in the telegraph, who I think we well, none of us are saying the name of the person, but we all f- sort of know who that is, was made, it would have been really powerful for the RFU to be very proactive and say you know we do not tolerate language like this there is no place in irish rugby for sexism for misogyny they didn't really say that and it comes back to this communications point it it there, you know when i've worked i've been a comms director for many years in sport and how you the tone that you use to flex to a particular situation is very important um And I think the are just- feel, it feels that like they just know one tone that 's kind of defensiveness and I think uh, uh you know i 'm actually being supportive here to them. I think it does them a disservice because instead of being bringing people on side who are skeptical it just pushes people further away and it adds to this division. so I think this is another example of where something hasn 't been particularly well handled um uh, probably on both sides, but in particular, we knew it was coming quiet word in the ear whether it would work or not at least you could have tried so it, it all kind of comes back to this central point for me but um yeah, it's a shame it took away, you know, it's it's a shame to see someone come away from a game with a well-meaning intention, you know, really upset and feeling they've really borne the brunt of something disproportionate. So, yeah, it, it was the whole situation was disappointing.
1: I think, yeah, I think that's fair that it could have been managed slightly better. And yes, there are, there are kids there. And, um, you know, I, I saw a few of the stickers around i didn't see the i didn't see the incident happen happening with throwing the, the flyers or anything like that but i did see a few of the stickers around and i suppose it's it's you know it's it is a family environment and we we always love that at women's games and and we want to keep that you know as a very valuable part of, of of women's rugby so yeah i i i agree it could have been it could have been done differently but also these girls like I'm from seeing on Twitter, like who they are, they're coaches, they're volunteers. They're very involved. They know women's rugby in Ireland, you know, from club level and they're massive supporters. That's why they're doing it, you know? Um, so, uh, different ways to look at it definitely but also big noise and also with all of this extensive coverage that the women's game is getting now with the noise gets louder as well which is what we what we wanted this is what we want for women's rugby is more coverage more excitement more talking and if things are going badly well then this is how people respond as well
2: Let's get on to the game itself, uh, Anna, a 48-0 win for England. There was talk before this game of all kind of records possibly being run up by England at Musgrave Park. Uh, so viewed in that context, there was almost a relief that that didn't happen. You know, we must point as well that England had made a few changes to their team coming over. They lost, like, of Marley Packer, Packer through injury towards the end of the first half. But overall, how do you view, Anna, the Ireland performance on Saturday?
1: I think relief is probably a good word to use because, yeah, like the predictions like over 100 points and, you know, some people suggesting like, oh, maybe they shouldn't play the game or maybe it shouldn't even be televised or whatever. But glad that all that was kind of like, you know, refuted by the Irish girls' performance. Like England didn't play... That's the worst that England have played so far this tournament and that was down to a lot of what Ireland did. And also... I think it was in some areas definitely the best that Ireland played. And like, they didn't, I just think they brought a different mentality. Like they weren't going to tire. They weren't going to let, you know, the, these, the, 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 tries, they didn't let like a tirade, like a snowball effect of tries happen. Um, they kept going and kept working and like, they they can be proud of themselves for that because they really needed to do that they didn't do it on other occasions and they did it on saturday and it and it counted i know 48 nil isn't your ideal score and especially when you look at the two other games were so competitive this weekend and you know much closer scoring and then to have 48-0 and like a zero next to Ireland is like just really disappointing. I really thought that they were going to get a score and the crowd was enjoying the game so much and like really like encouraging and every small win and small moment was so celebrated by the crowd and then you could see that the players on the pitch as well and that contributed to, you know, their massive defence but if they had just, I was looking at like 27 nil, and I was like, oh my God, if we could get a try and put something on the board and keep England at 27, that would be a result. But, you know, they, they were able to, like, get in a, for a few more England towards the end. So, yes, relief, but also in perspective, in terms of 48-0, it's kind of like, oh, how could we be so positive about such a result? But it's just where we're at.
2: Yeah, no, it is. Uh, you know, it is where we are, we are at. And you made, you made a few points there. I mean, Ali, Ireland really did show how defined they are coming out in the second half, keeping England scoreless for the opening thirty minutes. Um, England did run in kind of three more tries in the last 10 minutes. They had 50-plus missed tackles, but Greg McWilliams was really happy with the Ireland defence. He said that after the game.
0: Yeah, look, I I think um, I thought last week that what we needed to take out of this game was we needed to be in a situation where we could leave the match not completely crossed or demoralised so we could actually go to Scotland with some morale intact, um, you know, a, a game that we can win. And I think the team managed that. Defensively, yes, you kind of have to ignore the missed tackles because England had so much dominance, so much possession and so many good ball carriers. Um, but that has obviously been a problem for us all competition, these missed tackles. Defence was better. I mean, I think it was very committed and had a lot of heart and a lot of passion. And people got up off the ground um, you know, more quickly than they've been doing all competition. And we made life difficult the breakdown for England when they were going forward. So yeah, I still I still can't quite tell you the system and structure we're playing to, but at the same time, what I think you saw in defense was a step up in attitude. And I'm not saying our attitude's been poor so far, but I think there was a an acceleration of you know, belief, commitment, communication, cohesion in the defence. Um, I think it's a really, it's a really, it's a hard game to analyse because we were just saying before we pressed record behind the scenes there that on the one hand, there's some really good stuff to take out of it. You know, we're the first team to stopping and getting past 50 points, this competition, which, you know, is another conversation another day. Uh, but at the other, you don't want to kind of, it feels a bit 90s men era to be saying sort of a morale, uh, you know, a, a morale victory or it's... Um, you know, I can't remember the phrase, but we were saying, that you know, it feels a bit, you don't want to step into that territory of like, oh, it's okay to lose by 50 points, isn't it? Because it's England. So there's there's two ways of looking at it, but but certainly they will go to Scotland feeling a lot better than they might have. And that's something. I'm sure we'll talk about Scotland in a second, but, you know, there, there was some good stuff. The 30 minutes scoreless, that, that was a real achievement.
2: Yeah, no, it was great. And Anna, the line out again, um, we saw the way... We saw in Parma it malfunctioned at crucial times and Mac Williams did say afterwards it's just not clicking and again at the weekend remember when they turned down the chance to go for a penalty right in front of the posts they kicked the corner and then England disrupted again looking ahead to the Scotland game this just has to improve before they play go to Edinburgh
1: yeah and You know what we were talking about last week was you know what are what will they be working on and we you know we talked about the line out we don't know you know we don't know what what they're working on in in camp so whether they put a lot of time into it and it didn't go to plan in terms of like we know it's going to be better this weekend and it just and it didn't click or you know and and to compare it to the other set piece in the scrum where they've you know they've obviously done some brilliant work and then We've talked about it before, like covering all bases. There's so many areas to look at. Um, but yeah, when, when, when the line out is, is, um, so key, the Scotland line out won't be as strong as. Um, the English line out still strong and still you know they'll have analysed Ireland a lot and like we kind of we're talking about last week so Ireland can't really change much they have to get right what they have you know they have to get their menu picked out in terms of like wh- where can they attack from the line out and what can they use again just a week's turnaround before the next game repetition 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 who's going to be starting, who's not, get your team right and just do it as many times as you can coming into this weekend. And again, that's that's all we can do. I think the movement is good. Sometimes there was like a miscommunication and then just the timing is just not really working out or it's being read or some of it was really good. And I thought some of them were like, wow, that was brilliant. Like, in, out, no bother. Like, it looked so smooth. And then, like you say, at the key moments then, it seems to, to get fluffed. So
2: This weekend, England and France shoot it out for the Grand Slam in front of expected record crowd, 50,000 at Twickenham. And then, you know, Ireland playing Scotland, Uh in Edinburgh, 7.30 kickoff on Saturday evening. As I said at the top of the show in the intro, Ireland are bottom of the table on zero points. Uh, Italy are fifth on four points. Scotland are fourth on five points after their bonus point win, uh, 29 points to 21 win over Italy at the weekend. And what a timely win that is for Scotland. You know, their first win at this season's tournament. It ends a 12-game losing run and really will, Ali, give them such a lift going into this weekend's game especially as well when you consider what happened last year and of course Ireland getting that uh, getting that late try when pro- probably Scotland should have won that game I'm sure that will be on their minds as well I think that sets it up really nicely actually but yeah I mean it's hard you want not have a
0: heart of stone not to be delighted for Scotland winning that match after all those losses you know they have a fantastic captain who speaks so eloquently always after losses so it was lovely to see her after a win I, I think my worry for us is we can talk tactical in a second but you could see them growing in confidence with every single score. And they've really lacked this, you know, they've, we've talked a lot before this competition about Scotland and the way in which they lose very tight games, including our game last year where they're ahead and they last few minutes let it go. And there's something I always felt like when it clicked for them and they won a game, they could win lots of games because actually they're good enough in the competitive matches to to win against the teams around them. And so my slight nervousness is they've got this belief now um, you know, this got very close, you know, it was 24-7, I think, at one point, and then it got twenty one twenty four. And you thought, oh, no, here we go again with Scotland, you know, letting a massive lead blow and losing. And they didn't. And they knew you could see it. You know, this was just going to be their day. So my kind of overarching kind of strategic worry is that they ride that momentum into this game. And they believe, you know, this is Ireland. They haven't won a, they haven't, um, well we scored two two tries one was a penalty try this is the team who can't score tries and a team were leaking points left right and centre we're at home we've just beaten Italy so yeah we'll believe so I was thrilled for them but um, I hope maybe they celebrate a bit too hard <laughs>
2: <laughs> What do you reckon And is it, is it all set up for Scotland win here how are you looking at it?
1: We were also kind of chatting about this this earlier. Is that I think that Scotland sometimes, and they kind of proved it in last year's Six Nations. They maybe it's because they celebrate too hard, (laughs) but they sometimes follow a really good week and a really good performance by not not fulfilling that. Potential in, up, yeah. in yeah, absolutely. And that's what I'm kind of hoping for. Um <laughs> when 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 Ireland head over there. But um, you know, it is teed up nicely for them, like a home fixture, the difference in the, the squad, you know, especially having been to, to the World Cup and, and you know, we've we've talked about it before as well, that they're so close to winning all these games, just like Ali's saying, and and they they seem to be converting more of them nowadays. So that's that's danger territory for for Ireland, all right. Like even getting in close, who's gonna kind of crack first? Because if you, that's what you're hoping for, like to, to disrupt what they're trying to achieve, and then see which team responds to being disrupted better. Who can hold it together, essentially, and who will let those cracks grow, and who can be like, okay, we know they're coming at us now. That's their purple patch, so to speak, but we can. We're we're okay. We can hold it out. We can turn it around, and they definitely showed that. Scotland definitely showed that versus Italy when it got so close. They didn't like, you know, throw the hands up and say, "Oh, this is too hard." You know, we're not going to finish out this game. They kept the heads and and finish it out, and they really they were so happy with that result that like let's let's see how much of that they can hold on to, keep their cool heads, and stick to the game plan that they that they're they they proves really is working really well for them
0: they they feel to me like a team further ahead of i mean i don't i think we can go there and win but i think scotland to me feel like a team a year or so ahead of us partly because they had the world cup experience even though they didn't win we talked before about the impact that's made but you think about the kind of senior players in their team you know, your Rachel Malcolms, Lannis Geldon, Lisa Thompson, Chloe Raleigh, Jay Conkle Roberts, come back in. There's probably more. We've talked about Ireland having a handful of that surrounded by quite green, naive new players. There's definitely more of a kind of cohort in that team of players who've been through the mill with them. And and it feels like they're just that bit further ahead. They're not the same team of last year. You know, they've obviously moved into professional era as well. So I, I would much prefer this to be a home game, I have to say, because they were very good it was a great game, by the way. So was the Wales-France game. They were. I thought the Ireland game, If you, don't, I hope this isn't too mean to say, it was awful to watch. As a, If you were a neutral, the first half was one of the poorest first halves of rugby I've ever watched. There were yeah. so many errors. It was like a training game against a team who were hanging on. Whereas these two games, th- this was a fun match to watch. And Scotland played really well. Lovely rugby uh, with hard carrying and excellent touches outside. So I, I fear this is going to be a difficult um game for us to go and win and I think it's got almost artist favourites and probably deservedly so.
2: And and I like what about the energy reserves? I asked this to Nicola Friday after the game on Saturday. This will be their third Six Nations game in a row, like it is for all the other teams. Um Like the men's Six Nations isn't structured like that. In last year's uh, Women's Six Nations, they went back to back for the first three games, had a week's break, and the final two games were back to back. But what is that going to be like for the players who have, considering the losses they've had, you know, very deflating results? What are they going to be like going into such a huge game, looking to avoid being handed that wooden spoon for the first time since, you know, 04? There's the ramifications for the WXV as well, what tier they'll play in. World Rugby confirmed last week as well that whichever team finishes fifth in the table, they will still face a playoff against Spain to decide who qualifies for uh, Tier 2 and Tier 3. But what what will the players be like going into this incredibly important game?
1: I think when you've no choice, you don't even consider, you know, uh, the tiredness or feeling sorry for yourself or like, oh God, one more. They will have the heads down, like recovery, recovery, recovery. Like they know what's coming, same as every other player, you know, in in, in the tournament, like you said. Um, But I think knowing that it's the final game, they are, you know, you can remain very focused for just another week. And like they'll have taken positives from from England, from the England game, and they'll be excited to try it, you know, to try to build on those positives against a team that isn't England. So I think they're kind of gonna be excited for it actually, um, because they will they they will identify, you know, they they believed they could win last week. Um, whatever win meant, you know, on the scoreboard or, or, or otherwise, but they'll believe that again this, this weekend. And, um, bodies might be tired, but there's definitely an energy, you know, they won't be listening to their bodies. They'll be focused on lineouts, scrums, um, backs, plays, defense, all that detail is getting stronger every week. They're going to be excited to just keep keep it going and like very much focused on okay we did this well that's where it stays what are the other elements that we can build on they're not going to be like oh I don't want to do this anymore definitely not you know they'll be excited for it
2: yeah okay we're going to finish with predictions Ali to you first heart says Ireland head says Scotland Anna
1: I'll go Ireland okay
2: Well, hopefully, they will sign off uh, this Women's Six Nations, which has been very, very tough at times, with a win. Anna and Ali, thank you very much for joining me this morning. Thanks, Sinead. Thank you. Will and Luke will be here on Wednesday to look ahead to this weekend's Heineken Champions Cup semi finals and Leinster's game against Toulouse at the Viva Stadium. What a game that should be. Bye for now.
0: This is an Irish independent podcast.